Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter.com or Blue Sky at Braden Gall. Uh, my name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Blue Sky, Instagram, Twitter, if you must, uh, at Scavendish. Uh, what we would like for you to do is to rate, review, or subscribe to this show. But most of all, tell somebody that you listen to Lamestream Sports, and they should, too. Ben Arthur of Fox Sports is our guest today on the show. Had a 30-minute one-on-one conversation with Rand Carthon, the Titans general manager, that resulted, of course, in a long-form article. Again, foxsports.com. You should go read along if you'd like. Uh, we will discuss his conversation with Rand, getting to know Rand, and, of course, his perspective now that he covers the entire AFC South. So he has a different perspective on both the Titans' beat, the Titans' fans' perception, but also... An in a perception of the Titans organization from other places now. So really fascinating conversation with Ben, who, of course, was on the beat covering the Titans and then moved to Fox Sports to cover the entire AFC South. So uh, a lot of interesting stuff with Ben coming up uh, about the combine, about Burke Nihill, about the organization, about Rand Carthon, about Mike Vrabel, about all kinds of fun stuff. So really fun conversation with Ben. Uh, the GOAT is coming back to Nashville. We will discuss that a little bit later on in the pod. Uh, before we do, Steve Cavendish. Of the Nashville Banner, sign up. Good journalism. Lamestream Sports brought to you by Eighth and Roast. <laughs> so my wife and I are having like a coffee rivalry now. Uh, we're basically the Titans and the Jags of coffee uh, in the house. Who's who? So, um, I mean, she has the long flowing locks, so I guess she's Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I'll be. I'll, I'll I'll be Brian Callahan and Rand Carthon who are uh you know good at talking. <laughs> so uh, is so Rand Carthon good at talking? He, he's getting better. He's getting better. So the the two bags we keep in the house at all time, French New Wave and the Jet Setter. Again, four great locations across Nashville. So go check those out. But most important, most importantly, go to a grocery store near you. Check out the local section. Pick up a couple of bags of beans because their beans are just better, Steve. They're just better beans. The beans are better. The beans are better. Uh, and so I sh- so we've got French New Wave, which we've told you about. Brown sugar, hazelnut, cinnamon. Those are tasting notes. The Jet Setter, which is candied pecan, blackberry, and maple syrup. I am a Jet Setter guy. She is a French New Wave girl. And as we've learned this, this, this bean journey we're on together, grinding these beans and making pots of coffee every single morning, we have realized that we cannot coexist with, without going without a system. We have to have a coffee bean system. Wow. Because she loves the French new wave so much. And I love the jet setter so much that we have to alternate every morning. Like that's the only way we'll survive. The marriage could end if we don't alternate eighth and roast beans accordingly, because that's how good the beans are. And, and I'm so loyal to jet setter and she's so loyal to French new wave. We have to, we had to come up with a system. <laughs> can you, can you dispel a rumor here? Uh, does, Maybe. does, does, does jet setter have extra caffeine in it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> the they, I no. think they have the same amount of caffeine. <laughs> yeah. They have the same amount of caffeine. Um, I, it just seems like, it, it seems like jet setter should be like, it oh should, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it seems like you like should, the, should the be French, like the a French ha- new wave should be more mellow, <laughs> right? Like or just like a, like a little weird and a little standoffish. We oui, we. Oui. Uh, <laughs> well, well, the, the the jet setter should be like you know half a cup and you're you're good till four p.m. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. Um, but you know what? It's not our job to brand their beans. They brand their beans, and they're more ethically sourced. And the beans are just better. So I assume that the names are fully appropriate. So I don't know why you have it, such a problem with the with the with the names. 
Get to eighth and roast. <laughs> Go to eighth and roast. We'll talk combine and we'll talk messy coming up after our conversation. But here's our here's our talk with Ben Arthur of Fox Sports. Ben, welcome to the show, man. Great to see you. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Appreciate you guys for having me on. It, it's been a little while uh, uh, since we did this. So excited. Been a minute. So, yeah, I know, right? Well, so, I, uh, I, I yeah. wanted to give you time to explore Houston, Indianapolis, and Jacksonville enough before we brought you back on and we, we talked for about sure. this. So for those that don't know, of course, you began your career covering the Seattle Seahawks. You moved to Nashville, covered the Titans, and now you cover the AFC South for Fox Sports. And I, I want to start sort of just right there with telling the Titans story, having some institutional knowledge because you were on the beat covering the Titans, you still live in Nashville, but what have you learned about the Titans because you're covering the other three teams in the division? How does that give you a, an ability to tell a more holistic story? Yeah, well, I think kind of the biggest thing is like you get the perception of the Titans from the rest of the division and, and how they've discussed the Titans. I, I mean, I, I think there's from the conversations I've had that there's a tremendous amount of respect for what the Titans have done. I, I know that it's, it's a new era, right. With, with Brian Callahan, but uh, they really had the, these other teams in the division really had a lot of respect for Mike Vrabel and the culture he set. Right. I, I mean, before these last two seasons, it was really the Titans kind of running the, the division, uh, you know, for, for a time period and, and just how, uh, guys really seem to, to buy in, uh, just from a culture standpoint, the, the identity of the teams, right. The physicality never being out of any game, even despite a perceived lack of talent still being near the top of the AFC, just in terms of, uh, being really competitive. And I think a lot of the teams, in the AFC South have kind of taken from that. Like we've seen comments from like Jim Ursay in the past, just really seeming to just be frustrated that the Colts couldn't beat the Titans, but just with how Doug Peterson um, has, has talked about the culture the Titans had been able to set and, and just like with Houston and, and Indy with them kind of changing the, the chapter in their individual cases about trying to establish cultures of their own they've all seen what the titans were able to do and yeah it may be different now just in terms of changing of the guard and and titans are clearly embarking on on more of a rebuild now but but i think there's really a sense of respect for what they were able to achieve and um i think i i don't think anyone is counting the titans out uh just kind of moving forward i, I mean they're right now right definitely at the bottom of the pecking order just in terms of football competitiveness but we were saying the same thing about indy and houston last year right like everyone was saying they were going to win between four to six games both those teams and and then we saw of course like the week 18 game being for for that win and in situation houston of course uh winning that game and so uh so yeah to, to answer your question about like how it's shaped my per perception or, or coverage of the Titans. It's just in terms of the, the reverence and respect for what the Titans, the stability that they've had, that the other organizations maybe haven't had for a variety of different reasons. Um, I, I think that's been the biggest thing I've, I've learned. What was the, every team is, every team has turned over here in the last three years, uh, but, but specifically the Titans, the, the Colts and the, 
the uh, and the Texans have all turned over in the last twelve months, kind of coaching and 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 various front office pieces. What did you learn about the the, the Colts and, and 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 Texans changes, and then you get a you get a Titans change here to cover this off season? What was what what kind of informed how you looked and how you covered the the Titans uh, changing from Vrabel to Callahan? Um, you mean like how, how those changes with other teams are, are sh- shaping how I'm looking at, at covering the, the, yeah, I mean, it, because, because you've had, you, you, you've seen changes now in, uh, at, at franchises here within the division, uh, you know, what, what, did it make you look for any like specific things or did it make you kind of ask any, any specific questions when, uh, when they, when they made the change from Vrabel? Compare and contrast, Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I think the biggest thing, like, is just like how I've noticed, like, how the players, how the players in in like with the Texans and the Colts, how they talk about the coach. I, I think that's the biggest thing, right? Because that goes back to what I was saying about the, the respect that these other teams have had for what the Titans have had been able to build under Vrabel, um, especially like those first few years. And and just hearing the way that they really had like full backing of D'Amico Ryans and Houston and Shane Steichen and Indy, because even if players won't necessarily bash a coach publicly, like you could just hear in the way that they're talking about the leadership of, of their team or, or the coach, like you can you can kind of see if, if, if they're kind of like BSing or not, like just in terms of like the, the passion around like how they're talking about or, or the confidence that they seem to exude uh, with the leader that they have. And so uh, I think very early on, just with both the Texans and the Colts, you you sensed like a, a true backing but behind both of those coaches. And uh, so, so I, I think for, from the Titans perspective as, as as they kind of embark here in the Brian Callahan era, just really looking uh, kind of for those context clues, just in terms of like how the players, how the Titans players are going to be responding uh, to Brian Callahan's coaching, his approach, obviously a completely different personality than what Mike Vrabel was in almost every sense <laughs> of the word, right? Yeah. Personality, demeanor, his philosophy, Right. And, and seeing how the players respond to that and if and if they're truly buying in, because I think even in training camp with the Colts and the Texans, I, I got the sense that, that there was really a, a buy in. And I didn't know that or no one really knew that it would look like winning seasons for both those franchises. But I think having that foundation in, in place is really important in terms of trust and relationships. Uh, and so that those are going to be some of the things I'm looking for when we we start thinking about like OTAs and and start getting going uh, with, with the programs for 2024. So uh, to say the least, the transition wasn't uh, exactly like perfectly smooth. Um, you know, you fire a general manager one year and a head coach the next year. We don't have to rehash any of that. But I'm curious how that that reverence has changed from the outside in. Right. If there was a ton of reverence about what the Titans were able to accomplish from these other three programs and other three cities and, 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 um, organizations like, again, it wasn't the smoothest of, of transitions from Brable to, to Callahan. There's lots of stuff that happened during the season. 
things are floating around. And and again, not with without going into the details, how how do you think that perception of the Titans has has changed over the course of the last 16, 18 months? It, it certainly has changed, right? Because you could it was a sense that almost like that culture that had been built like seemed to to fray a little bit, right? And 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 sometimes that just happens too, right? Like with players getting older, like you think about the Kevin Byer trade and uh, Derek, you know, the Derek Henry trade rumors and Ryan Tannehill's future. I think all of those things uh, kind of play a part in it. Uh, but then, yeah, I do think like kind of with the leadership change in terms of the gen general manager, uh, like I I'm not sure of maybe the intricate details of like of Rand's and and Mike Vrabel's relationship, but but there was definitely a shift, right? And uh, maybe that front from from the outside looking in that the Titans had between Mike Vrabel and John Robinson for the longest time that was no longer there. And then we've seen what Derrick Henry get on uh, busting with the boys with uh, Will Compton and Taylor Lewan talking about how things just seemed different in the building like obviously and part of that Derek said was just different guys in the locker room like the, the guys that Derek had kind of built up that culture with since 2016 uh and those you know few years after that like all of them were gone it was really him and KB right and so I think part of that is just what happens in time in the NFL like three four years franchises look completely different but then I think also just with the leadership change in the front office ranks uh and just ran naturally seeing things differently than John Robinson did and um the dynamic between ran and Mike being different than the, the dynamic between uh John and and Mike uh I think all of those kind of contribute to uh just what the the titans kind of devolved into um yeah. so I, I don't think there's any simple answer for that but um but as we've seen um, unless you're like a team like the chiefs who just seem to always evolve in a way that makes them seem able to like compete for Ch super bowls every year most teams go through this time where they're just trying to figure it out <laughs> you know yeah. and and i think with those poor Titans players getting older and the changing of the guard, what we've kind of seen uh, kind of a need now where it's like a rebuild. It's that's where we're at now. You had a, you had an interview, uh, you had an interview with Rand here kind of, kind of after all of this, uh, what, what goes into it? What goes into an interview like, uh, like that? How do you prep for it? Um, it, it did you have one-on-one -on -one access or was this a, was this a, was this a group sort of thing? What was the, how'd you end up writing the piece? Yeah. Um, it, it was one-on-one -on -one access. Uh, it was over the phone. I mean, I had, you know, reached out to the Titans to kind of clear it with them and, you know, and, you know, basically got the green light and was able to talk with ran, you know, for, for a, a good while, like for more than 30 minutes. Um, and I think honestly, like, and I don't know how many like aspiring journalists listen to your guys's show and and whatnot, but I I think for me like I'm I'm always like playing the long game, and I I think for me like I've done 
the legwork to really create a trust and rapport with Rand. Um, and I, I think it's so, I think it, especially in the age that we live in, in terms of uh, sports reporting and trying to get little pieces of news and transactions and trying to break stuff all the time, like sometimes people lose the importance of just building a relationship with people, like not like so many people just go to people when, when they need something, right? Like, can, can you confirm this? Like, what's the deal with this? And, and, and you have to do that at times. That's part of the job too. But I, I think just talking to people when you don't need something, just having conversations, even if it doesn't have anything to do with football, just really getting to know people could really pay dividends. And, and, and I think for me, um, even in the short time Rand has been here, I, I think I've been able to do that to a point to where he felt comfortable uh, just talking with me like to that length. And I'm super grateful that uh, he allowed me to kind of have that conversation with him. But 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 I, I think it, it it goes both ways, like in terms of the relationship. Right. Like. Um, so. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I, I hope that kind of answers your question. So that's kind of how it came about. I, I kind of had an idea. I mean, obviously with Ran, it's like the new era, right? And and Ran is at the forefront of it. He adds that executive vice president role. He has essentially total football power, right? In, in the wake of Mike Vrabel's um, firing. And uh, I think people still are, are getting to know who Ran is. Like people still, like like we got a little bit of a sense of that uh, at his introductory press conferences, at his introductory press conference. Um, but I, I think in totality, people don't really truly know him and the meet, like the public access to him has been somewhat limited. Like he hasn't done that many. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't even, what, maybe before the combine, how many pressers had he done? The introductory one, I think maybe one other. And then after Ray had gotten fired, I think maybe yeah. three. Yeah. And so I think for me, it was a good opportunity to uh, reach out, see if I could like really show people a little bit about kind of how Rand's mind works, especially as he's embarking on like really a pressure filled opportunity to kind of like redirect this ship for the Titans and, and kick off kind of this new era. So that's kind of how all that came about. So I know you don't write. Uh, headlines obviously nobody does uh, but the headline why titans franchise why titans turned franchise over to Rand carthon after just one year as gm it's on fox sports right now you can go check it out but because you knew him and had that had built that relationship you do have some perspective on how he is and i've, I've chatted with him on the sideline before too i think he's a super interesting guy outside of football and and it's very clear in your piece that he's a very interesting guy outside of football has all these other interests and has all these other influences but because you had a relationship and you kind of knew him a little bit, I'm assuming you didn't learn a ton about him in the conversation. So ultimately, the question is, what do you want people to learn about him? What do you want Titans fans to learn about him? In the course of that conversation you're having with him, you're trying to pull out things that you kind of already know, but you want the audience to know. Is that is that sort of your goal in that conversation? Because to your point, you know, he hasn't really done a lot of press availability. He was available at the Combine this week. It was all football. Uh, every question, obviously. So I, I'm just curious, what did you what did you learn in that conversation, and what did you want the audience to learn through the course of that conversation? And then you're ultimately you're writing. Yeah, I, I think first of all, like I, I think like, like kind of as you said, like I I did have a little bit of a sense 
of who Rand is just because of conversations we've had at practice and uh, and whatnot. But at the same time, like I didn't I, I didn't fully like know who he was. And, and I, I think I, I got a better sense of that just through our conversation. And I hope that that was part of the goal of the conversation, too. Right. Like, I think. Titans, the Titans fan base for the longest time, they've gotten this broad sense of that Rand is a relationship builder. Right. And, and we've heard words like that. But like, what does that really mean? How does he go about that? Like, I, I, those are things like I don't think people knew. And, and knowing that obviously the combine was coming up and that those are were going to be really football geared questions. I saw it like with my my awesome opportunity to talk with Rand one on one. It, it was an opportunity to kind of like go away from that to, to add value because I, I knew people were going to get like all the combine, like there was no value in me adding, okay, like, how are you going to spend your cap space? <laughs> That's going to draft a left tackle at number seven. So what are you guys going to do at wide receiver? All those were going to come. And so I, I think with my opportunity, it was like, okay, like really show people who ran is. And uh, I was just kind of like, just blown away just with how his, his mind works. And, and I think when we've heard, like I think over time we've kind of seen Amy show that like, okay, like, or I could give an example just in terms of that statement that came out announcing that ran Rand's promotion. And she was saying like how quote, this isn't my father's NFL. Um, I want our organization and this is paraphrasing here, but like, I want our uh, football operation to kind of take from technology and sports science and, and and just having this innovative innovative right forward thinking approach to how we're doing our football operation not just maybe not necessarily just all ball all the time but like how can we take from other fields to like really show that we're a forward thinking organization and uh i think through my conversation with Rand, you, you see how he's the embodiment of exactly what Amy wants this organization to be like he's very forward thinking analytically minded he's uh drawing from inspiration from you know venture capitals private equity people real estate people people in the technology space like I mentioned uh um what the, the CEO of of uh Lowe's is, is kind of like in his inner circle like he's close with this one reggae band in in Florida they're billionaires that he's he has relationships with that I didn't even get to mention uh, in the story. And, and I think all those things show it's kind of an extension of like where Amy is taking this franchise. And, and I think that's the biggest thing I wanted people to take from the conversation, how Rand is the embodiment of where she wants uh, the Titans to go in. And look, that doesn't take anything away from Rand being like an X's and O's guy or, you know, being able to bring talent in. And obviously he played in the NFL. He obviously knows the game at a very high level. Obviously there's a lot of pressure on him, right? Did he, would I give him an, an A like for what he's done so far? No. Uh, but there have been some, you know, good moves here and there that that only and the pressure is going to be ramped up a bit just because of the stakes now. Right. Like, how is his rookie class going to develop from last year? Who's he going to bring in this year? Who's going to be the free agents that he brings in with this buttload of cap space that the Titans have? Like all these things 
people know, but what don't you know? That's what I wanted to show people and, and to really show that connection with where uh, Amy wants this organization to go. And then how, I mean, Burke is like kind of that extension of, of Amy as well in terms of like how the organization is thinking. And, and, and he was just praising like Rand's just his, his approach to relationships and uh, his curious mind and how he invests in people and, 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 and all these things, right? Those, that was the sense uh, I hope people took uh, from my story. It it feels like uh, it feels like the the business side, Burke's side, ha- has has gotten a little bit of football flavor in it now, and it feels like the general manager side has got a little business flavor in it now. Is that like they've they've kind of p- been pulled towards the middle? Does that make sense? Yeah. No. I I I would definitely uh, agree with that. Uh, that's that's definitely where this is headed, right? Like because I, I think. And that goes back to like Amy's whole thing about like, this isn't my father's NFL. Like for the longest time, there's been a culture in the NFL, like, um, like even just like the front office or, or the coaches, like they're, they're kind of like, they're over here, right. And all the business ticket people marketing, they're over here. Right. But there's now kind of more of that convergence, right. Mm-hmm. Like that mesh, like how can we help uh, each other more of a holistic type uh, environment. And so I think, yeah, from, from Burke's side and from Rand's side, what we're seeing that blend of that. So I think you're exactly right, Braden. Speaking of investment, it is draft time. Uh, and so what, what I want to know is, do you like this time of year or not? And, and do you, (laughs) as a, as a reporter, because mock draft, mock draft, mock draft, mock draft. Exactly. It's, it's that (laughs) it's like, it's like all of a sudden you're chasing, you know, you're chasing. Oh wait, you know, there's this, there's this inside linebacker out of X school who is suddenly you're rocketing up everyone's boards because of, uh, because of a, like a good second practice at the Senior Bowl and and shit like that. What is is this? Is this a fun time of year or is this a please just let me get to the football kind of part of it? Yeah, it's definitely like please let me get back to the football <laughs> part of it. Like the whole mock drafts and the speculation and and the rumors like th- that defines this part of the year like I'm just not interested in at all like I, I'm 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 really not there's just so much junk out there and speculation and and uh just people reading too much into what coaches and general managers are saying at the combine they're they're really saying nothing right but People want to like perceive that, okay, the way they said this or because they said that this means this. And now I'm going to do a whole story about it. This means that they're going to draft this person. That means this is going to inform like how they move in free agency. That means they're going to trade the number one. Like it's all just, it's all just kind of chaos to me. It's all speculation. And, and the truth of the matter is a lot of these teams, like they don't know what's going to happen too, right? Like, they, they they may have they may have like certain agendas that uh they kind of enter this part of the the NFL calendar with but i mean things change right because of just how the draft falls in front of them like right like with the titans being at number 7 and people thinking all of a sudden that the titans want to pick a wide receiver now and they may or may not i i don't know but just because of the comments that Callie and that ran are saying it's like okay they're they're choosing 
uh, Malik Neighbors or Roma <laughs> Dunze now just because of how they're talking. No, I mean, it's like how we don't know. They they don't know how the draft yeah. is going to unfold in front of them. Uh, injuries, developments that may happen, things in the market. Like there, there's so many different factors. Free agency that, hasn't happened yet. Exactly. <laughs> so for me, it, it's just it's just something I like put up with and, and I'm not, I'm not the speculative. Guy. As, as the only non writer on the show right now, I love this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm the guy who gets to take that speculation and turn it into more speculation. That's, no, that's, the, fun, that's the, that's, that's the, the thing. Fun part. That's yeah. That's the thing though, Brayden. I mean, a lot of times this time of the year, it does incredible numbers for people yeah. in the media because people thrive off of speculation and rumors and, controversy and you know what's going on like people people love that right and so um it, it may be bullshit that doesn't mean it's not popular well and exactly. and, and and to your point though like like and i we, we joke about jets fans all the time like this is their favorite time of year because it's the only time of year they have hope and the draft is uh, the draft is 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 a hope merchant they they are selling hope to fan bases who don't necessarily have a chance to win a super bowl and the Titans this year, for the first time in a while, go into the draft feeling like they have no real opportunity to win the division. I mean, it, and football can change. You get the right draft class. We all know that can change. But that's the point, is that you're selling that thing that, I mean, really, this team has so many holes. And, I'm, you know, we're not going to break down the roster here. But, like, you're selling hope right now. You have a new coach. And to your point, a new administration with a very new perspective and a new approach. Um, and so, I mean, that's what you're selling to Titans fans for the first time in a while, this fan base is going into a season with a different perspective. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that, that's exactly what this time, uh, of the year is. And, and I, I think just for the Titans, for, for Titans fans, I mean, you know, they, they're conscious of like kind of what's happened in the division, right? Like, right. Like just with Houston and Indy, like a year ago, uh, today, like they were in the fan bases of those two teams were where Titans fans are now. And, and so that's that's kind of where that hope comes from. Right. Like if Cali turns out to be great and, and you get in a good rookie class and Will Levis turns into the franchise quarterback and like, wow, it's like all of a sudden you have this amazingly bright future. And and uh, yeah, you can you can think like that at, at this time of the year. I think yeah. that's part of the wonder of it all. And and that that's kind of the spectacle that the off season has become. And like with the combine too, like, uh, like the combine is so unnecessary in so many ways. I mean, the, the medical stuff that teams get is important, but the, the show business part of it, right. Like running the 40, like so many of this stuff has, it means nothing, <laughs> right. But you get to see like, Oh wow. Like that D end ran a four, four, like, man, if we had him on the edge, uh, like, you know, we, all of a sudden, like we're a, you know, we're a team like in the top half, half of the league and pass rush, like mm -hmm. you know, just like selling that hope, right. That that's yeah. part, that's what this time of the year is. And so you can't fault, fault people for feeling like that. So you look at the division, I'd like to know, cause you talked about how the, the division perceives the Titans, right. With this reverence about the culture and sort of overachieving. And we, we kind of know the brand under Vrabel. I'm curious what Titans fans are wrong about with the other teams. There certainly is a healthier amount of respect for D'Amico Ryans. I think most Titans fans acknowledge that dude's pretty damn good. Um, there's a healthy, I think there's sort of like these side eye sort of like, like 
roll your eyes at Chris Ballard sometimes. I'm, I'm saying this from a Titans perspective. I, I think there's a real people are really torn on Trevor Lawrence in general. I, I think he's pretty talented. I think he's gotten a bad, bad rap with Urban Meyer and his start to his career got hurt last year. What What is it that Titans fans are absolutely just wrong about now that you cover the other three? What are the perspectives that like maybe Titans fans are? Oh, oh they thought, you know, they thought this about Indianapolis, but really like that's not how it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think honestly, like for like for a good portion of like last year, for instance, like I just thought like Titans fans just wanted to like come at the Jags like they didn't want to buy into the hype. Like I feel like Titans people like didn't they they couldn't like buy into that Jags hype, which to me, being someone who covers the, the division, like it was justified, right? Like coming into last season, uh just the expectations that they had. And, and I think that their shortcomings were, I mean, the injury to Trevor, the injuries for Trevor Lawrence, as you said, and, and I think from a front office standpoint, they weren't as aggressive as they needed to be to, to address some of their deficiencies. But I think a lot of Titans people like couldn't accept that the Jags are this talented team, like that they started the year eight and three uh, for, for for a reason that they had a lot of things that didn't go their way. But like I was in that camp of like the Jags, I think they could really be that that team. And um, and, and so I, I think I, I think for me that when you talk about like Titans fans perceptions of, of the rest of the division, I go to Jacksonville like they just that they just felt like, oh, they just kind of fluked into that division title in, in 2022 uh, because of we, we know, of course, know like how the Titans collapsed that year and, and what happened in that week 18 game. But like Titans, I feel like Titan, the Titans fans couldn't like really accept that the Jags were a talented team. Uh, <laughs> like that's honestly, you know, and, and I guess that's just part of like, you know, being like with a, a division team. Uh, and just kind of what transpired to end 2022. But I, I feel like the Jags didn't get the kind of credit that they deserved. Uh, and ultimately, like the Jags didn't do anything. They didn't make the playoffs. But um, I think their ascension, we, we shouldn't, it shouldn't be like disregarded because of we know where the Jags have been historically. And, and I still think even now, like, they do the right things this offseason, they'll be right back, like in the mix with Houston. And mm -hmm. I don't think Titans fans should just discredit that just because they don't want to believe that the Jags could be the real deal. Um, in terms of the rest of the division, like, yeah, as you said, Braden, like that there is that respect for D'Amico Ryans. And I, I think everyone just knows like, okay, CJ Stroud, like he's, he's, he's a top five quarterback, right? Like I think, People have just kind of accepted that, and and honestly, don't I don't feel any sense of like I, I don't feel as much hate from the Titans' perspective towards Houston as I do maybe the Colts or the Jags, uh, just because who who, like, who who do who do Titans fans hate the most? <laughs> it, it's, it's yeah, it, it's between well, I think it was Jacksonville last year. Um, historically, I think it's been Indy for the last several years, historically, right? Um, but I think just because Houston came out of left field is like it almost caught everyone off off guard. Uh, and, and just because of 
great D'Amico Ryan's greatness as a coach and and CJ Stroud's greatness as a player, like you can't deny it almost. And yeah. so I think that plays a part of it too. Like I, I think so yeah. I hope that answers your question. No, it's I, I like I think, for example, I think sometimes I think Chris Ballard is playing the four-dimensional chess, and sometimes I think Chris Ballard has no clue what he's doing, and I can't always tell wh which one it is. And I think Titans fans don't have a lot of respect for him, but somehow he gets Gardner Minshew to almost make the playoffs as a backup mm -hmm. quarterback. And so, like, they're doing there's something there that's better than Titans fans will allow themselves to acknowledge, but also him and Jim Irsay are just such bizarre characters and the way they hold themselves and carry themselves is kind of, you know, non-traditional. And so yeah, I think, I, and so I think people are just sort of like, ah, whatever. But like, I don't know. They, they lined up and whipped the Titans ass last year. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's a good point. Like I definitely think the personalities of the Colts brass play into why I, I, th that perception of them, yeah. right. From, from Titans people, and just how Jim Mercy has talked about the Titans, like, uh, like in Mike Vrabe, in the Mike Vrabel era, like, man, like I just want to be, like, I'm sick of the Titans, like that whole dialogue. Too, I, I think, I think all of that played plays into it too. So, yeah, um, no, I agree. Uh, it's like they can't be taken seriously until they're until you look up and you're down eight in the fourth quarter. <laughs> exactly. That's the way it is. Exactly. Ben, thank you so much, man. Excellent piece. I recommend everybody go check it out, of course. Get to know Rand Carthon a little bit. Uh, I do think it would be in his best interest to do more of this stuff. I think it would be... It's not hard to do. It's very easy to do some 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 availabilities because I think people, once they get to know him, will see a very different person. Uh, and I and I think he would be... He would be, it would be better served to do some of that stuff uh, and explain what analytics he's actually using. That's all. That's all we want to know. Uh, ben, thank you so much, man. Uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. That was Ben Arthur of Fox Sports, and I think I'm fascinated by the divisional structure of Fox Sports. I know ESPN used to do that, where they had guys that covered divisions, and then they went to all 32 beats. But I do think it's fascinating to have somebody who was on a beat and then moves to these other three teams and covers all four, but has such an interesting perspective because of the, the, the role he used to play. And I do think, and this is the nature of fans, but I think it's fascinating that like Jags fans, Titans fans, Colts fans, Texans fans, they all have like insanely different perspectives of each other. And I find Ben's job going from one to four to be really interesting. It gives him a really interesting look into the dynamics at play that very few people will get. I find that to be really interesting. I mean, typically it's a cost cutting move, right? Like you don't want to, you don't want to staff, you don't want to staff 32 teams. So you make somebody cover the divisions. Uh, well, but Fox it, didn't it, have anybody. So they actually were up. They were actually in investing, right. I think so. And, and so, well, and so, but, but to the point, like they didn't want, they didn't want to cover 32. So, so they're, so they've got them, they've got them down at the division level. It, it's a tough gig. It's a really tough gig because you're expecting someone who is not in those four markets to be able to provide you scoops or kind of interesting coverage or kind of something ahead of what the beat writers in those cities are already doing. It's a, t it's a tough yeah. gig, man. I, I don't, I don't envy him uh, doing that. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why, I thought the I thought the Rand interview was 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 interesting because, you know, Rand hasn't given Rand hasn't given much access to the to the local folks and, uh, it, it was it was 
definitely a choice on the on the part of the Titans, but I thought it was good hustle by, by Ben. A- absolutely. And uh, again, I just think the perspectives are interesting. I think it's it's always fun to see things through somebody else's lens and to see the Titans through the Jaguars lens or to see the Colts through the Titans lens. Like he just gets all of those lenses now. And it's really interesting. And if you invest in a person like Ben, who loves telling all the stories, and of course you heard him there talking about how he hates the speculation and you know, all the, the rumor mill stuff. Cause it's, I do think it's much harder to write about this time of year than it is to talk about it. And, and my job is to talk about it. So I love the speculation in the off season. Cause you get to be creative and just pull shit out of your ass. But like Ben's like, no, I'm a real reporter. <laughs> like I want, I want to write like real stories. And that's much harder to do this time of year where you don't really, from a football standpoint, like nothing is real. Uh, so maybe Ben needs a couple extra cups of coffee from eighth and roast. Uh, maybe jet set <laughs> around the division from Indianapolis to Houston. Maybe, maybe so Jacksonville. Uh, so get yourself some jet setter beans, candy, pecan, blackberry, and maple syrup, clearly better beans and clearly better than the French new wave. French new wave. Delicious. But my wife is wrong. The Jet Setter is is by far the best bean that you can buy at a local grocery store. In, I, in I the think entire I'm, store. I'm going to clip this part and send this to her. Yeah, that would require <laughs> her to want to listen to me talk more, which we all know <laughs> is not the case. Uh, so go to go to 8th and Roast. Four great locations across the city. You got Charlotte Avenue. You got the airport. So if you're going in and out of town, I don't know, jet setting around, make sure you swing by 8th and Roast. New location over at Vanderbilt as well. Make sure you check that out. A couple of quick notes here, and I meant to mention this earlier in the show, but if you were listening on Friday, uh, on Sunday, the Our Kids Soup Sunday event at Nissan Stadium is taking place. There's only a handful of tickets left. Uh, we are going to be there. A lot of friends and family are going to be there. I know, Cav, you've been there before, so uh, please check out the, the, the event. It is some of the best soups in the city, and all the money goes to benefit sexually abused children of the Middle Tennessee community. So check out the Our Kids Soup Center, uh, Soup Center, Soup Sunday over at Nissan Stadium on Sunday this weekend. So jump, jump let, right let, now. Go click and buy tickets. Let, let, let me let me me to this for for one second. I, I, this this event is great. I don't think that means what you want to. I, well, okay. <laughs> and also this. Uh let me uh because this, this event is great. Uh it, I mean the cause is that you you've heard us talk about our kids before yep. uh, and and Braden has had a long relationship with them. But I, it, it is it, it, there's a lot of food events around town. This one's really fun. Uh, it's really delicious. You get to you get to try a lot of different things. Uh, there's always the moment where somebody tries to go through the entire line and get every possible soup before they sit down. It's hard, and to so do. it's kind of it's man, it's hilarious to watch somebody carrying like two trays full of samples of soup and just trying to balance everything, <laughs> just trying to get back to their seat. It's yeah. fantastic. It's not good, it, and and spoil. Spoiler, they don't always make it. I, I so. think I've only gotten, I think I've only done all soups like once out of like nine years going. Um, it's very, it's very hard to. It's a it's lot. Hard, it's hard to get to every single soup. It, it really is. But it tickets is, are, it, it t- is a lot. Tickets are like 27 bucks for adults, like five bucks for, for kids over five. And I think free for young kids. So come on over again. Great cause. Uh, and uh, obviously we'll see you guys on Sunday if you want to come out uh, and hang out. Uh, did you see? Uh, this I was not going to talk about this, but speaking of me too, did you see the? Have you seen any John Stewart back on the Daily Show at all? Have you seen any of it? This this yes. will fit into our media uh, conversation. So his entire Israel uh, uh, Palestinian conflict res- result is or or solution is is it's me too, which is a NATO version of the Middle East, which is, <laughs> which I find to be absolutely like. So what's fascinating about Stewart is I was as a guy who. So I would say the two biggest influences on me as a broadcaster are Dan Patrick and John Stewart. 
Those are the two biggest things, people that I've sort of studied. And I think there's this, uh, hopefully there's a way that they kind of talk about very serious things in a irreverent and sort of self-deprecating, but also like fun way where you can really have heavy conversations about stuff, but keep it interesting. And I've kind of always thought that you could do that. And and those are the two things that those two guys do, I think, better than almost anybody else in broadcasting. And I was worried, uh, Cav, when he took, when he they announced he took the show back over, I was like, oh, I can't wait to see this, but I'm worried it's going to be a bunch of 2008 jokes. I'm, I'm concerned about this, but the ratings are off the charts. Oh he, yeah. He is, he did on his first show. He did almost a million viewers in real time, almost 3 million over the course of digital over the course of the next couple of days. It was up to, to like one and a half million in real time. In the second episode, he is on par with like Fox news, MSNBC and CNN. He, he is beating major news networks. At a well, time where we really need someone delivering the news the way he does it. And I think his first three episodes have been total home runs. And I I can't believe that it was it felt like putting on an old pair, you know, old sweater that fit perfectly. And like he's right back into it and doing an excellent job. So Comedy Central got some got some criticism for just having for bringing him back on just on Mondays. But the flip side of it is is they have created appointment television, yes. which is really hard to do on yes. cable these days, particularly particularly in late night. And you know you kind of have to tune in and you're going to see the clips and so like and and, and the, a really good example of kind of like the power of 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 a stewart clip to go viral is if you haven't seen him talking about his dog at the oh end of, yeah. of the last episode uh they, they had a longtime yeah. dog that yeah. they rescued from that he that their kids rescued uh and just passed away and like him talking about his dog like if you have a if you have a pet you're just gonna find yourself in a puddle on the floor. Yeah. Did, so, did you watch the problem? The show he did on on Apple. I tried, and I never really got into it as much because it wasn't. It was too serious. It wasn't it was too, as it, it, was, it wasn't it was, as entertaining as the Daily Show. It just wasn't. It, it was. It was too serious, and I think he feeds off the energy of a crowd better. Yes. Than, yeah. So I, again, I I think, you know, in this election year where we're all going to be exhausted by the exact same story we've been run, we've been running the same we've been running the same exact play for like going on eight years now and we're all exhausted of it but he he has a way of speaking to we know his politics right we know where he stands on things but he also has a way of speaking sort of so in like a colloquial every man's conversational way and approach to things that are like again if you can do a very serious segment on is israel and palestine and make people laugh you are on a different level <laughs> you're yeah. on you're on a different level and he he addresses concerns for Democrats. He addresses that he doesn't pull punches on anything. And I think it's I, I think he does a great job. And I can't believe that he is able to slide right back into his old role as well as he is. But I should not be surprised uh, because he's that good. So anyway, ratings are off the charts, like eight, seven, eight million views now per week on his third episode in, in sort of like long tail. Right. YouTube. And right. Digital right. Between and that and recording and it's and, nuts and social channels. And yeah, yeah no, but you're right. Appoint, appointment viewing. And guess what? I can watch John Oliver on Sunday night and John Stewart on on Monday night. I'm good to go for the next few months. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Uh, OK. Plus, I got plus I got softball and soccer practice like Tuesday through Thursday anyway. So, uh, OK, uh, quickly, the combine here. Do you do you hold enjoy? On. Hold on. You're oh. still playing softball. No, I'm coaching. I'm oh, coach. coaching. Okay. Coach, coach, uh, dad, coach Braden, you know, whatever. Oh, that's good. That's good. I no. thought you were still trying to play. I was like, hmm, really? Oh, no, I can age. hit. Oh, I, I rip dingers. Don't worry about it, Steve. Uh, but no, the, th the seven year old is in her fourth season. Um, I'm, we, we would run rule people in, in, uh, Creve Hall, which is a big deal for East Nashville athletes <laughs> to be able to do. <laughs> just going <laughs> to point that out. Uh, no, uh, it's just sports like every night, dude. 
I'm, I'm getting to the point where it's just sports every night with kids uh, now that the spring season is here. Uh, but I wanted to ask you about the combine because I, I think, and Ben clearly is not a fan. I, I, I just think it is important, and Ben already sort of said this. I just think it's important because I work with some folks who cover the Titans who like want to read into every single thing that's being said, exactly the way Ben said it. It is must-lie season. It is must-lie smokescreen season. It's like a political campaign. They are trying to convince you that they are authentically saying everything that they're saying, and you don't know at all what is true and what is not true. So I I love and enjoy the fact that it is total cloak and dagger smokescreen lies, and I think it's fun for us as content creators, but I can understand if I'm a fan hanging on every word, not allowing yourself to realize that maybe all those words I'm hanging on are completely full of shit. Well, I mean, it, it, it's further example. It's a further example of the fact that in the, the NFL is our national sport, and that yeah, that that we want that NFL content in the off season, even if it's even if it's stupid, and <laughs> you know, it, and and it, it is all the things that we talked about. It's hope. It's uh, you know, it's it's the it's the Jets' favorite off season. I mean, it's the Jets' favorite season. It's it, it's whatever else, but. Uh, it it is just it, it is an example of the NFL's dominance, and that we that we are. I I still think, and we talked about this last year. You know, it it is it is it is amazing to me that they that they they turned clips of guys running in a straight line for forty yards into like into Multi, like a multi million dollar event, obsessive yeah. television, yeah. like 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 commentators going you know reacting in real time and it just blowing up all over all over socials in like in like half of the in like half of the uh fan bases around the league it's it's just it, it, it amuses me every single year well and and so Rand carthon and brian callahan spoke to the press i believe on wednesday they had their availability and again i'm just gonna a couple of small tidbits here that people are thinking is some indication of where they're going. Rand Carthon's like, yeah, this is a really deep class at wide receiver and offensive line. Those are two positions we're focused on. So like now everyone's like, oh, I guess they're taking wide receiver and offensive line, which again, if you're being logical and rational, is a is a smart thing to say about your team. I mean, did you I, see did you see the Titans like, offensive line but it doesn't, wide receivers last year? But yeah, this is before again, some. this is before free agency. Like we don't know what their plan is. We have no idea. This is and I'm, and we didn't say it um on, on the pod, but like being like it's like I I feel like the draft is like a Mike Tyson fight. You have a plan at seven until the draft starts. So you have months and months and months and months and months to plan out your strategy. You've got your big boards, you got all this communication, you talk to agents, you talk to players, you know exactly who you do and don't like. And then you get punched in the face with two picks ahead of you being completely different than you expected it to be. And so everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face, right? Mike Tyson, I, I, the draft reminds me of a Mike Tyson fight. Like you can have this great plan, but the second you're, you have minutes to react when so, you're on the so, clock. So I have, so I have a dream and my dream is this. That <laughs> okay. Okay. Martin. <laughs> we get to sit down with, get, get to sit down with two or three, uh, either, I, I, I guess current guys wouldn't do this, but former GMs or former heads of uh, of player personnel, basically the guys that were in charge of the draft and watched draft day together. That'd be great. And, and here, and I, because I just want to hear the commentary of how unrealistic the trades and the moves and the, what the, the, yeah. the bullshit that, that happens in that movie, a movie that is highly entertaining. It is highly entertaining. It's dumb. Oh, none of those, but none it, of those, none of those are real. But 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 it's but it's it, it's still kind of fun 
and I, I would love to just doesn't he end up I would with like love the, to hear like doesn't he end up with like the first second and third pick or something like that no he ends up uh, he ends up with like one and he ends up with like one and seven but I think he goes to like yeah. one and I mean, two, it's, and it's, it's so it's so ridiculous. You're talking about Kevin Costner movie. It's it, it's, it's so ridiculous. But I, but I would just love to hear some GMs just like yeah. cackling and oh. eviscerating that movie. That'd be I amazing. would like I would like to watch the actual draft with those general managers and be like, all right, tell me what's really happening right now. Because uh, again, yeah. everything that you you think you know and you hear is ridiculous. You know, Rand Carthon looks at the screen and like claps when they get a guard or whatever instead of a receiver, and then. You know, you got Vrabel's face when John Robinson trades AJ Brown. <laughs> like you got, you also had Mike Vrabel's kid like on the toilet in the background of the. Live I was going to say that the COVID, the COVID year where the kid was on the toilet. That's great. <laughs> so ridiculous. Okay, all right. Well, make sure you check out Ben's work. Great perspective and um, lots of great shows across the Full Forty Sports Network covering all that speculation from the combine. We got Music City Audible. We got uh, uh, a football show. We got football and other F words. We got Hot Read podcast. Lots of great shows for you guys. It's big and dumb, and we got content for you. Oh, it's so, but it's so much. It's big, dumb, and fun. You know what I mean? It's like your best yeah. friend from college. Uh, okay, so uh, quickly here, I am attending the the goat is coming back to Nashville. Uh, Nashville moves on in the Concacaf Champions League slash Cup, and will advance to play Miami in a two leg round, I believe. Right, and they'll host Miami at Geodis on Thursday of next week. Tickets right now are about if i'm doing my now again last summer was a was a was a trophy right there was there was silverware it was a championship round so tickets were and it was summertime so tickets i think were about 300 bucks a piece give or take depending on where you're sitting in the stadium for those games tickets today for that match were about 75 80 bucks a piece do you think that's about right is it that it's not it's not the first time. It's not the championship round. Like, how, what do you feel about like that's a, to me? That's a very affordable price to go watch Lionel Messi play soccer. What I would say is Nashville fans go buy your tickets because Miami fans are going to buy some of theirs. Well, I shouldn't say Miami fans. Messi fans are going to go buy theirs and show yeah. up in pink shirts. And the if 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 you if you saw any of the if you saw any of the Miami uh, games to open the season uh, on the road. <laughs> a lot of Miami fans on the road. Yeah. Be prepared for like, be prepared for like, if it's a midweek game and like we saw this when they, you know, when they beat the crap out of Mocha here the other night, uh, the, the, it was, we was calling that attendance sparse. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was, was not even, not even that. I mean, everybody knew that it was going to be scrubs playing and, 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 you know, <laughs> People, people on hat tricks that are not going to play the rest of the year and, and and all that sort of thing. I, I, I just, if you want to, if if you want to go see uh, go see Miami, go get your tickets now. Uh, wear your wear your blue and gold. Uh, otherwise, that thing's going to be filled with with pink shirts. As a Nashville SC fan, I I assume and 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 I'm glad this is not going to happen before Thursday. But as a soccer fan, I would love to see them sign Luka Modric before then. And then we can watch two of my favorite players in the world at the same time dominate my team in in my home stadium. But man, <laughs> it would be so much fun to have Modric and and Messi on the same squad. Just the two two aging middle midfielders who can't be stopped. Uh, I I did I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Ronaldo got suspended for a game for some like lewd gestures, of course, which is like I don't know his entire existence. Um, I, I'm not offended by gestures, so I don't understand that. But I guess you know 
not allowed to do that stuff in the Middle East. <laughs> so that, um, the half the, the half life on him lasting in the Saudi league is it's is, nuts. Is, it's ridiculous. Is, is, has, has almost run its course. I, let me ask. I, I just wanted to point this out, and I just was noticing this through the course of conversation. Right, Messi's coming to town. Ronaldo Ronaldo gets suspended. They are constantly linked inextricably for their careers forever. As maybe the two greatest soccer players of all time. Uh, I, I don't know who's better skill wise. Ronaldo might be better. I, I, I lean towards Messi. I've always thought Messi's the better player, but when it comes to like interaction with other humans and getting the benefit of the doubt, which we talk about a lot on this show, when you cover someone, you cover someone like Pecorino, you're going to give that person empathy and, and respect because you have access and the benefit of the doubt. I, I'm sorry. It's just not even like the way Messi and Ronaldo, the way they carry themselves and handle themselves and treat people and talk to people and, behave it's just like Ronaldo just is so easy to hate and Messi is so oh, easy to, so easy to like it's just it's such it's such a night and day difference on how they've carried and created their own brands let, let me let me ask you this because you know Messi was part of a Super Bowl campaign that that uh Pepsi had what would you give for what would you give for Messi to actually speak in English in one of these in one of these commercials <laughs> just just give us a couple of words just give us a couple of words of English I I don't give, care I don't uh, care uh, enough just give to us spend a, a little penny. something I, I honestly I think people's heads would explode it'd be great it would be awesome I do like watching old clips from like 2009 where like drunk Messi's on the microphone speaking Spanish to like Barca fans <laughs> it's it's pretty fun <laughs> I didn't know I hadn't seen that yet so no it's just it's just Talk about two guys that created two wildly different brands and have two wildly different reactions from people because they treat people differently. I, I mean, it, we talked I, about it last week on the show: empathy and access and respect. And and Messi has it; Ronaldo does not. I, I, as a as a longtime Barcelona fan, uh, particularly of those uh, of, of those Pep Guardiola Miami, uh, I mean Miami, those Pep Guardiola uh, Messi teams, uh, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a question, and particularly I, I mean, after. I, Particularly after he won, particularly after he won a world uh, a world cup. I mean, yep. Messi. Uh, you, you can we can talk about Messi with Pele and Maradona, but we're not talking about Messi with Ronaldo anymore. Good. I don't mind that part. <laughs> I don't. I don't mind that either. I don't mind that either. Okay. Uh, eighth and roast, just better beans. Like Messi, just better player. It's just what it is. Uh, so go to Eighth and Roast. Of course, four locations across the city. Go check them out. Make sure you support Ben Arthur and all the great work he's doing covering the AFC South. Check out the Nashville Banner as well. The Our Kids Soup Sunday event on Sunday at Nissan Stadium. Please come out and hang out. It'll be a really great time, and you get to eat wonderful soups and help kids in Middle Tennessee. So make sure you check that out. Uh, and of course, uh, other than that, get to us on the socials. You can get to us uh, at Scavendish across all socials. You can get to me at Braden Gall across all socials. Otherwise, we do appreciate you guys. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.